Welcome to the Orgasmic Lifestyle Podcast by Venus O'Hara. I'm here to welcome you into the world of orgasmic living by hosting experts to discuss orgasmic topics such as nutrition, spirituality, personal development, sexuality, and much more. Here, we will offer lifestyle lessons that can help you lead a fulfilling, joyous, and orgasmic lifestyle. I'm your guide, Venus O'Hara. Welcome to the 52nd episode of the Orgasmic Lifestyle Podcast by Venus O'Hara. In this new moon episode, I'll be discussing the power of the yoni. I'll be interviewing Freya Graf, yoni mapping therapist and holistic sex coach. Then I'll be discussing the book I'm reading now, which is The Soulmate Lover, a guide to passionate and lasting love, sex and intimacy by Molly Apple and Joe Dunn. And finally, we'll be experiencing a guided meditation with affirmations for celebrating the yoni. But first, let me share with you some of my own trauma related to my yoni. Seeing as we'll be talking about yoni mapping today, I wanted to share some of my own trauma related to that area of my body. Not exactly my yoni, but my pelvis and my urethra. When I was a child, I used to suffer with frequent kidney infections. And when I was, I was about three years old, and at first it didn't really bother me that much. It was kind of like an adventure trying to pee into this tiny bottle and give samples to the hospital every couple of weeks and then walking there and getting some sweets on the way. I didn't feel as though I was ill or anything, anything bad was happening. And then one day I was told that I would be spending the night in hospital and I was so excited. I packed my Cinderella suitcase with dolls and I can't remember what else, but I was so excited. It just seemed like a big adventure. And when I got to the hospital, I was kind of suspicious because everyone was being really nice to me. I was kind of like a a naughty little girl, so I wasn't used to this. It was very, very suspicious indeed. I was playing on in a play area outside and then the nurses called me in. And when they called me in, I was put on this kind of operating table. They opened my legs, my thighs and pushed a catheter into my urethra. And I was kicking and screaming and crying and absolutely traumatized by this. And also I remember them pushing me in a wheelchair and just having this thing inside my body that was incredibly, incredibly uncomfortable and just felt so wrong and unnatural. I had had all these kidney infections because I was kind of not emptying my bladder completely. I would not wait until all the drops were finished. And I would just get up and start playing. And I was always told by my parents to kind of wait until the drops had stopped, Um, but I never paid any attention. But then after they observed my very violent reaction to this procedure, I didn't have to spend the night in hospital and I promised that I would wait until all the drops were over. And then after that, I actually stopped getting kidney infections because I was so traumatized. I didn't really want to go down the route of having to have any treatment for it. However, later in life, my bladder is still kind of a weak spot for me. It's kind of like my power and my weakness, the whole sacral area. Talking about weakness, I suffer with nocturia. Nocturia is frequent urination at nighttime, and it's probably one of my biggest crosses to bear. This is how I express my stress and my anxiety. I go to the loo so many times sometimes. It's like obsessive. It's like OCD. I have this obsession that I've not completely emptied and that I can't relax my pelvis and give myself permission to sleep. And sometimes it can be incredibly obsessive. It could be, you know, 10 to 15 times a night. And I've been in moments of lots of stress. I've had lots of moments of stress because I've had, you know, I've I've moved departments so many times. I've had unstable professional situations. And I've constantly having to be in this fight or flight mode 
because I haven't been able to, you know, I've just been, you know, a single woman, a um, freelancer. So I've, I've exposed myself to a lot of uncertainty in life, which, you know, life is never completely certain, but I've had extra uncertainty with the life choices that I've made. This has made my uh, Noctoria much worse. It's also the Noctoria has really influenced my personal life in that I always try and sleep alone when I can because I've had situations where I've spent the night with a guy and I've just been to the loo many, many, many times because I haven't been able to switch off and just sleep because of the strange situation of being in a bed with someone. So I tend to sleep alone. And also with friends, I haven't been able to do sleepovers. Last year, I was invited to the Costa Brava with some friends and they were all going to stay in a summer house. And I was like, oh, I wish I could go. I really need some nature, but I can't with my Noctoria because I'm going to bother everyone else by getting up a million times in the night. So that's something that's been a very big influence in my life. It's just such a pain. Oh my God. And also when I go on yoga retreats and things, it means I have to get a bedroom that's en suite because I need my own bathroom. So I need to access it very frequently at nighttime, which is always, always work more comfortable to have your own bathroom, but it's also a lot more expensive. So that's been my cross to bear for many, many, many years. And um, but I've also tried to get to the point where it's not ba um, bad enough to actually um, need to go and seek any medical interventions. So having a catheter up my <laughs> urethra again, it's like, oh no, I do not, do not want to go through that. And also when I go to the gynecologist, just lying down and opening my legs for a medical professional is a very, very, um, it's very traumatic for me. So, so for that reason, I've always really looked after my sexual health so that I didn't have to, you know, I wasn't kind of provoking that type of situation. It's been very, 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 um, I've been quite successful at that. However, something did happen to me a couple of years ago. I know I probably shared this before actually, but I've had to go to the emergency room a couple of times because of sex toys and because of the um, pelvic floor trainers. And once I had this thing called Bartholinitis, which is when the Bartholin glands, which are two glands that are on either one in each side of the vagina that are responsible for lubrication, I had an inflamed Bartholin gland, and it meant that one of my labia was like inflamed. It was massive. It was like having a cyst, and I could barely walk. And I had to go to the gynecologist and get this thing popped. Oh my god! I can't even tell you how painful it was. Um, but yeah, in general, I've just tried to look after myself as much as possible so that I I can um, prevent any type of intervention. Because it does take me back to when I was three and just having that situation, which was incredibly traumatic for me and something that I've not been able to erase from my mind. And I just hope someday that I'll be, I'll be able to completely overcome my nocturia and just relax and give myself permission to unwind. But on the positive side, my pelvis and my sacral chakra, if you believe in the chakra system, is also my most powerful area because the sacral chakra is responsible for creativity, not just procreation, but creativity. And for me, creativity is my art, it's my writing, how I'm using my voice. And I am so, so, so creative. And it's also your sexuality. And I don't have any sexual traumas as such, even though it's kind of the same area. I try to avoid um, having any um, interventions in that area, but um, it's definitely my power and and my weakness. Yeah, so I wanted to share that with you because um, a lot of people who have yoni mapping sessions, um, that the type of sessions that our guest offers today, do go to uh, kind of overcome trauma. So I wanted to share my own um, story there. So yes, let's find out more about Yoni mapping. Did you know that you could play video games with your vagina? I recently tried a product called Perifit, P-E-R-I-F-I-T, and it's one of the best pelvic floor trainers that I have ever tried. And basically you put something inside your vagina and then you connect with your phone and it has an app you play video games while you are strengthening your pelvic floor so you'll be killing birds and squeezing it's so much fun 
And also this device gives you some biofeedback on the app, which is very motivating because that means it will, it will, you see how you are progressing and it means that you will be more motivated to continue with your pelvic floor training. I'd like to share with you a discount code for Perifit and the discount code is VENUS15, all capitals VENUS15. And the website is Perifit, P-E-R-I-F-I-T, Co. So if you would like to play video games with your vagina and strengthen your pelvic floor, check out perifit.co. Discount code VENUS15. It's time for this episode's interview. We'll be speaking with Freya Graf, Yoni mapping therapist and holistic sex coach. Freya, welcome to the Orgasmic Lifestyle Podcast. Thank you so much for taking part in this interview today. I'm very happy to have you here. And you are a yoni mapping therapist. Could you tell us what this means? Oh, hello, hello. Thanks for having me. Uh, so yoni mapping therapist means that I practice a modality that involves a combination of talk therapy, sex education and coaching, some body work. So I do full body massage and internal and external vulva and vaginal massage and mapping so it's a it's a holistic modality it's you know uh originally this sort of tagline was for women by women but i've sort of <laughs> rebranded that now it's just it's it's uh practitioners that are trained in this are all women or have vulvas and it's for people with vulvas um and it focuses on healing and releasing trauma and educating and empowering women around all things to do with their body, their self-esteem, their self-worth, their sexuality, their pleasure, relationships, intimacy. So it's, um yeah, it's a modality that can be amazing for a whole range of different things. And I'm super passionate about it. And um, yeah, feel free to to drill down into some more questions if you'd like to know more. What exactly does the term mapping mean? I obviously think of a geography lesson. Are we actually looking at different parts of the vagina to kind of discover where where the best locations are? And what is what is the what is what does it what does it actually mean mapping? Yeah, so the mapping is, I suppose, works on multiple levels. So one one part of that is that I'm giving a bit of a guided tour. I'm giving the client a bit of a a bit of a run around her inner landscape and sort of showing her all the different erogenous zones or pleasure zones uh, of her vagina. So, you know, I'll be like, this is where your G-spot is and this is how you can interact with that and this is what it feels like and this is your cervix and we might do some de-armoring and uh, release, you know, tension or trauma from different parts inside. But as I'm going around doing this guided tour, I'm doing a really thorough massage so on a physical level we're releasing tension from the tissues we might be working with scar tissue um, we might be reawakening areas of numbness or pain and while I'm doing that I'm kind of helping the client uh, create a map in their brain of all of this all of this space inside the pelvic floor that they wouldn't have been aware of or that may have never been touched before because if you think about it most people treat vaginas like a penis-shaped tube, you know, and you might get a dick going in or a dildo or fingers and they just go up and in and maybe if you're lucky on the G-spot, but it's very rare that they actually map their way around the entire pelvic bowl and that, that whole sort of space with all of the pelvic floor muscles and ligaments and tendons and things. So a lot of the time people don't have you know, like a, a sort of brain body connection to all of these different areas inside the vagina. And so without that awareness of these spaces, uh, without the neural pathways connected to those areas, there isn't going to be much sensation or pleasure. So as I'm going around and I'm massaging and I'm, I'm letting them know where I am, um, I use like a bit of a rudimentary, um, <laughs> I guess, point of reference for this. I'll sort of say, you know, if you're if your vulva was a clock face and the clitoris is 12 o'clock and the anus is 6 o'clock, my finger is now around 3 o'clock inside or maybe it's at 5 o'clock pointing towards the back, towards your glutes. Um, so we're kind of communicating as I go and I'm just giving them a better picture of the whole 
internal space and then that's helping create new neural pathways and therefore you know seeding some pleasure pathways um and that's kind of the gist of the mapping part and it sort of goes part and parcel with with the yoni massage that that i'm doing as well so yeah perfect so what inspired you to follow this very unique path well um definitely the classic sort of trope of um you know making your mess your magic and 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 turning your biggest fear or challenge into your greatest gift you know um sexuality and body image and all of this sort of stuff was just an area of like such trauma and contraction and fear for me so for you know so much of my life I was absolutely revolted by my own body I couldn't let anyone see me naked or touch me and I was just horrified by most elements of sex and intimacy and over the years you know this was really affecting my self-confidence and my relationships um, my ability to feel pleasure and orgasm and feel, you know, expressive and free in the bedroom. And so I started working on it for myself, um, just personal. Personally, I got really into the personal development realm and started just becoming a workshop junkie and doing every training and retreat and workshop I could find um, and tackling this this sex thing because it was just, it was like the last frontier for me, you know, it was the, the most scary thing that I could imagine doing but it was also the thing that was like affecting me so much day to day and I just thought I can't keep living like this this is not sustainable you know um, and then after a few years of working on my own sexual trauma and healing journey I just realized what you know what an amazing gift it had been for me to come through the other side of that and I uh, became really passionate about about the work and started doing some practitioner trainings and then went into studying this area. Um, and I guess because I've kind of been on both sides, I have just so much um, empathy and uh, compassion and and passion for for the work and for helping people with it because you know I know how much it can impact your life when things aren't right in that department and that I know what an enormous difference it makes when when things are you know feeling good and empowered definitely it can also transmit this idea of hope to people that you treat and not just the compassion empathy but also the hope that there's a solution oh, totally yeah I mean I just never ever ever could have imagined that I would be where I am now like regardless of the fact that I've now made this a career just the progress that I made and where I came from to where I got to in my own, you know, confidence and comfortability in the bedroom with my body and communicating my needs and my boundaries and being able to have all these amazing, all this amazing pleasure and orgasms. I just thought that was unfathomable, you know, for, for a long time. And I even, I had pretty much resigned myself to being, being asexual. I was like, oh, I must just be asexual because I I hate this. I hate it all. It's, it's just I want to avoid it for the rest of my life. And I was like, cool, that's just what I'm going to do. And that didn't work, obviously, because I wasn't actually asexual. I was just really fucking traumatized. Um, yeah, so it is It is cool to look back on that. And I do think that, that that's quite a beautiful transmission, you know, to, to provide for people who are sort of in, sitting in that space of just like, holy fuck, like what, what am I going to do? How am I going to sort this out am I going to be able to you know and I don't want to be like well if I can do it you can too because that's not necessarily always the case but I definitely feel like I'm in a unique position to to support people because of my journey so yeah going back to your journey what was your greatest discovery or something that surprised you a lot about the yoni and sexuality did you make a discovery that you thought oh my god I didn't know that is there something that really impacted you in your learning Oh my God, so many things. I mean, I think I think something that it's it's lots of it's lots of little things. It's like realizing um, that you're not broken, that there's actually nothing wrong with you, that what's actually been happening is you know your body's working perfectly exactly how it's designed to, but it's trying to function in a broken system. 
um, and it's trying to measure up to this sort of blueprint of sexuality or orgasm that is based around a male body. So under that umbrella of like, oh, I just realized I'm not broken and my body is functioning how a female body is designed to, but I've just been comparing it to like society's expectations, which is based on men. Like there's so many little things, you know, the fact that vaginas and and female arousal processes take a lot longer, like time-wise, the fact that we have just as much erectile tissue inside the vagina as, you know, a penis does. And it really helps if it's all engorged, you know, just like you wouldn't, you wouldn't necessarily have sex with a limp cock. You shouldn't be doing that with a limp vagina, but we all, we all do because we don't give our bodies enough time to become properly aroused. Um, And, you know, spontaneous versus responsive arousal and all of these different ways that female sexual arousal and sexual energy works that differs from male sexual energy and arousal processes. Um, but none of us are taught this. And so we all, we all wind up feeling like we're broken and our bodies aren't working properly. And why is it taking so long? Why can't I come from that? Why, you know, why isn't it how it is in the movies or how the men are expecting it to be? So yeah, that was a pretty big game changer for me. Okay. So what is a typical day of work for you and what happens in your sessions? So I do, so I I do yoni mapping therapy, which which is uh, in person. So those are three hour sessions. They've got to be a minimum of three hours because you know we're we're delving into pretty intimate and delicate territory. And if someone has come for a session, especially a first time session, and they've never met me, I'm going to be knuckle deep. You know, in that session, we need at least an hour and a half to have a pot of tea and chat and and um, figure out what's going on for them. So there's the talk therapy component, there's the coaching and the education. Um, and then I do full body massage to relax the whole body and help them drop into the parasympathetic nervous system. And I do some breast massage, some abdominal massage, some pelvic massage, and then we do external yoni massage. So just the vulva. And then last, we do internal massage if they're ready. And at every step of the way, I'm making sure that they're consenting and that they're feeling safe and comfortable um, and that they're ready for the next step. And if they're not, that's fine. Like a lot of a lot of people, you know, the big learning is actually how to say no and how to listen to their body and not just let something be done to it because it's expected, you know. Um, so, yeah, then the internal work is the sort of pelvic floor massage um sometimes it can be more of an emotional session where there's a lot of memories and trauma that's arising that's being released and that we're facilitating sometimes it's more educational and it's just sort of a physical like oh that it's pretty numb or painful let's try to release the tension let's try to bring sensation where there's numbness uh let's show you where the g-spot is where you know your clitoral hood is and what your cervix feels like and things like that um and sometimes it's sort of like all right you're going to give birth soon so let's start helping you prepare your pelvic floor or you've given birth you don't recognize your vagina you've got scar tissue you're disconnected from your body and your sexuality let's work on that Uh, let's rehabilitate the pelvic floor let's work on the scar tissue let's re-familiarize and reconnect you with this body part Um, so that's yoni mapping, but I also do, uh, sex education and coaching journeys. So that's online because I found that, you know, three hour sessions, they generally take me a sort of four to five hours, like on, you know, aside from the, the contact time. So I can only do one a day and I, and I really prefer to only do maybe three or four a week, um, because they are such big sessions, often quite energetic, energetically demanding Um, and so that's part of what I do, but I've branched out to offering online coaching packages now, um, you know, and I've created an online course. So in a, in a typical day, I'm usually tinkering away, um, on my podcast because I have a podcast, which I would also love to grab, grab you as a guest. So if you want to come on the Labia Lounge, do a podcast slot. (laughs) Amazing. Um, yeah. So that's something I have a lot of fun with. And then, yeah, just sort of working with my coaching clients and the occasional yoni mapping client as well. Um, So, yeah, it's pretty, pretty niche, pretty fun. Um, 
So would your coaching yeah. sessions be actually intimate or would they just be speaking or would you, would the client actually like discover themselves and you would guide them? I mean, would, what kind of coaching do you offer? Yeah, good question. I forget that, you know, people might hear coaching, sex coaching and be like, oh, maybe she's maybe she's like coaching them through masturbating or she's in the bedroom with the whistle sort of, you know, directing them. No, it's just it's just uh, talking fully clothed. Um, we do we do online video calls and it's it's more I guess it's like life coaching except for their sex life and their relationship. So there's nothing, um, you know, I'm not getting too up close and personal with, with their sex life um, other than to chat about it and then probably give them some practices and different, you know, maybe I'll send them a guided audio or some different practices to try in their solo time or with a partner, but it's all very tailored to them and what they're seeking support with. So um, that that looks like a pretty standard coaching journey if you've ever worked with a coach, except that it's just we talk about a lot more explicit stuff and we get into the nitty gritty of, of their sex life and their hangups and their insecurities and, you know, what they need to work on to, to help them feel the most amount of pleasure and the most amount of confidence in the bedroom. Amazing. So everyone I know on the sexual wellness space, it's not just a job, it's a mission. There's like something really big behind it. We're trying to change the world, make it more orgasmic, feel more pleasure, overcome trauma, etc. But not everyone is on board with this idea. How do you find, how do people react to your to your work when you tell them what you do? Because, I mean, I found in my, my experience, it's not always positive. <laughs> and so, I mean, sometimes it's really curious. And then people will tell me all their personal stories. They tell me their affairs, their orgasm status. I mean, it's like they, they kind of overshare. And then other people are kind of a bit shocked. Some people are really curious. And some people are in the dating. It's really complicated. It can be, people can feel very intimidated. I mean, I have... 750 sex toys at home and I have sex toys all over my desk I've got like 10 <laughs> sex toys here and so you have to be careful where you sit I've got dildos in the back on the bookshelf so this has had a huge impact on my life but for me the mission is way more important I mean how do you feel about that well how do well all of those things so anything does anyone anything mm. resonate with you uh, all of that is so familiar that all resonates <laughs> so much it is it there's there's different categories of people, right? And you've got to pick your battles because I've sort of learned that there's some people they don't want to know, they don't want to hear about it, they certainly don't want it, you know, pushed in their face. Um, they're not going to ask follow up questions. Like they're just like super uncomfortable when they find out what you do and they change the subject, um, or they're quite offended and you know triggered. Um, but then there are the the people that are like, oh, okay, and then they just like dump their entire life story on you about any, like they're just so desperate to talk about because, you know, it's something that isn't as commonly talked about. So a lot of people don't have an outlet for that. And as soon as they hear what you do, they're like, oh, my God. Oh, well, she's an expert and she's a safe space. So I'm just going to tell her everything about my sex life and get advice. And so there's that. And then, yeah, there's the people that are that are curious and fascinated and and open to it. And I find these days more and more people have heard of it. So in in the beginning, like I started doing this maybe eight years ago, and it probably depends on where you are as well, but it was it was like, one, I had to, you know, answer the question, oh, what do you do? And then no one would have heard of it. And then I'd have to explain and sort of educate them and field all of their assumptions like, oh, that sounds like sex work. Oh, that must be like an erotic massage or a happy ending. Oh, this, this, this. Um but now a lot of the time I can say what I do and people already kind of have an understanding, which is really nice. Um, but it's such a broad, you know, spectrum of reactions that I get. And especially when I was starting out, like it's quite a vulnerable thing to, you know, I'd, or I'd done all this work on releasing my trauma and shame around sexuality, which is one thing. The, the sort of second layer of that was to step into saying, I do this as a job. I massage vaginas as a job and owning that without shame and often having to defend or explain or vanquish myths and judgments and assumptions. So it's definitely something to constantly navigate, you know, and you need to protect yourself because it's a, it's a vulnerable thing sometimes to be talking about this work that you're passionate about if if you're not in a safe space or if you're not with a person or an audience that is um you know 
going to be on board or at least open to it. So, um, yeah, but I, I definitely, and you know, like I, I, I have a mission. I, you're right. People in this industry are so passionate about it and they have a mission because they see, you know, we see that the world would just be such a different place if we weren't all so heavily conditioned, um, to feel shame and guilt around our bodies and our pleasure if we weren't, um, you know, if it wasn't so stigmatized that there was fuck all resources and education about it, unless you really know where to look. Um, and if we weren't also traumatized. So I'm really passionate about trying to shift the needle and, and change the narrative around that because we would be moving in the world in a completely different way. And that world would be in a lot better shape. <laughs> right, I agree. I have a friend who's um, a, a tantra guru and she does um, yoni massage. And she kind of really um, underlines the fact that it's it's not a sexual, it's not an erotic experience. It's a kind of spiritual. So I think people don't get that nuance. Um, you know, when you yeah. think about going for a tantric massage or kind of a yoni massage, I mean, what's set, what's the separation between, let's say, a yoni massage and masturbation? You know, I mean, I mean, do people get confused about that? Even people who come to you, I mean, because sometimes that that those areas that the places that do tantra massage, I mean, they are great places for, let's say, bi curious women to be to understand the mm -hmm. female touch and whatever. Do you have any have any? Is there any confusion around that in terms of clients? Yeah, all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Like it's more common for people who aren't clients to um, get confused about that or just assume that, you know, it's an erotic service, it's focused around pleasure, it's focused around orgasm. Um, and, you know, I understand the confusion because that service does exist and often it is under the, you know, name of yoni massage um, and there's lots of different trainings and there's lots of different sort of standards and um, I guess origins of the modality or the practice um, and so different practitioners work differently. So there are people that do yoni massage and it is more around, you know, orgasm and it's more erotic uh, and like tantric massage. Um, but I find that most of the time the clients that come to me have done a fair bit of reading on my website and a bit of research or they've followed me for a while and they know, they know that it's not you know, that's not the focus. Um, but I just always reassure people um, or not, sometimes I don't need to reassure them. I just need to clarify because sometimes people do want to come and have a happy ending. And I'm like, well, that's not really the point of my modality. There's a lot of amazing practitioners you could go to that could give you that, but that's not my jam. Um, so don't come expecting an orgasm because you'll probably be disappointed. There's nothing more elusive than the orgasm that you are trying to make happen. And I'm certainly not trying to make it happen. You know, it's it's often, and I think sometimes clients, they, they read it all and they know that it's not about that, but they still think, oh, but maybe there'll probably be a bit of an orgasm at the end, or it might be a little bit erotic or a little bit sensual. Um, and they're a bit nervous about that. And then they get there and they meet me and, and we have a session and they're like, ah, oh, that was that was nothing like I expected. That was actually totally different. It was so fine. It was so safe. It wasn't sexual at all. And I was like, yeah, well, I told you. Like, yeah, of course, we're working with, you know, erotic areas and we're talking about sex and we might be, you know, they might be having some sexual energy moving, but I'm not running any sexual energy. I'm not trying to make pleasure happen. If pleasure happens, great, like let that happen. And if they're comfortable with it, I let them enjoy the pleasure and I explain that to them first. Um, but it's not as though the pleasure is happening and then we're both going, oh, okay, quick, let, let's, let's get that, let's further that, let's get that happening, let's bring that to, bring that to a climax. Um, you know, if people haven't experienced orgasm before or they really struggle to feel pleasure, um, or maybe they can feel pleasure on their own, but when there's someone else involved, they're two in their heads and they can't experience pleasure or orgasm. Sometimes those clients might, if they're starting to feel pleasure in a session, you know, and I check in with them and they're like, no, this is really good. This is showing my body that I can do this and stuff. Then we'll roll with that. Um, but it's very, it's very um, sort of, it's, it's tailored to people's needs. And most of the time my clients have sexual trauma. They have you know, numbness, they have tension, 
they have things they want to work through and it's not really about orgasm at all for them. It's more about connecting to their body and learning and, you know, feeling nurtured, feeling safe, being in like a very, it's, it's, it's more of a therapeutic space. It's not sexual. It's not medical. It's kind of this in-between realm that we don't often get because people are like, oh, genital touch. It's got to be about pleasure, right? It's got to be sexy. Um, or it's a pap smear. Or, oh yeah, it's awful. You know, something medical. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So this is very much in between. It's it's therapeutic and nurturing, and it's a safe space to basically just let it all hang out. And it's not that common, actually, that you know people are like, oh, but do people have orgasms accidentally? I'm like, how often do you accidentally? Does it happen? I mean, um, does it? Ha- it had happened actually. So my first orgasm with a toy happened like that. It was completely like, unexpected. I was like, oh my god. I was completely, really? yeah, I was just completely <laughs> took me by surprise. And, uh, but I mean, is, I mean, if it happens, it must be a beautiful thing if someone's gone through trauma and then they suddenly, I mean, um, it must have happened at some point. I mean, some kind of orgasm, even though it might not have been in the intention. Has that happened in your sessions at any point? Yeah, yeah. There's definitely been um, a few times that that's happened. And, you know, that's been when the clients felt really comfortable and, often we've even discussed beforehand where like what their boundaries are and if they if if it starts happening whether they feel comfortable for me to just continue what I'm doing or whether they'd like me not to so it's always um it's always like very consensual but it's very rare it's very rare because especially like the first few sessions most of the time because we're not running any erotic energy between us um, there's not going to be the same amount of arousal as if someone would, because like so much oh, yeah. arousal is like psychological, yeah. right? It's not yeah, just yeah, because absolutely. I'm physically touching them. Mm-hmm. So they're not really in that space. They're not in this erotic space or fantasizing. Like they're, they're curious, they're being educated, they're like fascinated and they're like, oh, that's what it feels like when my G-spot's touched or my cervix is touched when I'm not in a sexual context. And they can actually just, like in a very neutral space, they can actually just observe what those areas feel like and what's being held there without that sort of um, layer of, of sensuality or eroticism on top of it. So it's it's usually like, it's usually quite confronting for people because there's there's pain, there's tension and there's pain or there's numbness. And on the other side of that is sensation and pleasure, but we can't get there until we've worked on the numbness and the pain and the and the tension and the holding and whatever's being stored there. And so generally in the first few sessions, like it's it's mostly about that and people are surprised. You know, they're like, Oh, I thought it would be so much more about yeah, pleasure and, and I'm like, Yeah, I mean it is, but it is uh indirectly because we've got to deal with whatever's being held there and preventing pleasure. Um, and that's more the focus of the sessions usually. But yeah, we just take it as it comes depending on what they're there for. I can imagine most people most people are going on the other side, not pleasure side, they must be feel very awkward and tense. Uh, do they does, does that happen? Because I guess these people are the people who are searching for that type of their um treatment or therapy however you want to talk about it but um, but do they feel awkward in that in that context of um genital touch I mean I think I would feel even though I'm quite liberal I would feel quite awkward I know this friend I told you about who does this yoni massage and she's really passionate about it but I would like I can't imagine going to her for a yoni massage I'm like oh my god because I just uh I mean do people feel a little bit awkward and um when it gets to that point or are they kind of already relaxed I mean it must be kind of an awkward situation because I mean sometimes we're all also awkward about someone else seeing your 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 genitals. I mean, look, there's a lot of um, even in intimate situations, there's a lot of um, shame around the appearance of our yonis as well. Totally, yeah, yeah, and that's what everyone's always afraid of when they arrive. That's that's usually the biggest apprehension, um, fear of being seen naked and being exposed, and the awkwardness of it. And definitely, there are sometimes some little nervous or uncomfortable giggles and stuff, but. Pretty much 90% of the time, people after the session just go, oh my God, that was like not awkward at all. I thought that was going to be so much more awkward or I thought I was going to struggle so much more, but it actually felt really normal and natural. And I think that's the beauty of, you know, having three hours with the person. I also have a bit of a gift for making people feel really comfortable 
um, and safe. And so like, you know, we've spent an hour, an hour and a half chatting about everything to do with their sex life and their relationship to their vagina and their cycle. And, you know, like we've really delved into some quite personal things that they might not normally speak to someone about. And then we've done a full body massage and I've kind of just eased them very slowly and gently towards the yoni touch. And by the time we get there, they're usually pretty darn relaxed and they feel pretty comfortable. And there's always like, you know, a bit of that, you know, that moment when I draw back the sarong and they've got to sort of spread their legs. And I'm like, you know, we I make a bit of a joke sometimes or I'll, I'll, I'll sort of flag that and say, look, this is definitely going to be the the most awkward little tiny bit of the session, but everyone feels like that, but it's like ripping off a Band-Aid. And, um, you know, I think also the fact that I see thousands of vulvas and people know that this is my job helps them kind of go, oh, you know, it's it's not a big deal and I don't make a big deal of it. Um, And generally after that, that sort of moment of drawing back the sarong and first laying hands on their vulva, they, they just start to relax and there's something so deeply relaxing about yoni touch that you know I think people don't realize like if if you're able to lie there and feel comfortable enough and trusting enough to let someone touch you there especially inside that's sending a pretty strong message to your nervous system that you're very safe because it's such it's such a personal intimate sort of you know space um and if you're able to let someone do that, then that's probably a pretty good sign, you know, unless um, you're in a completely different context, obviously. But I think if, yeah, if people can get over the the initial little moment of like, oh, this is a bit yeah. weird, um, then, then what happens is just deep, 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 nourishing, rejuvenating relaxation because their nervous system is just like, oh my God, wow, like because they're getting a deep massage inside their pelvis. And those areas never get massaged. They hardly ever get touched, really. And so I'm releasing tension. I'm bringing better circulation in. Um, it's feeding all the nerve endings. And it's it's such a it's such a kind of beautiful experience of just dropping into your body. Um, and afterwards, people say, like, they feel as though they've just meditated for 10 hours or they've had a really deep sleep or something because it's so relaxing. So I think any, like, initial little jitters or awkwardness usually get dispelled pretty quickly and then people seem to f- seem to find that it's pretty worth it. Amazing. Let's change the topic and go to menstrual cycle awareness and tell us what are the benefits of living in alignment with your cycle. I'm very intrigued about this. I have a lunar cycle. It's amazing, like 28, 29 days. It's just amazing. I'm really uh, in tune with the, with the moon. I find, I find it fascinating how you can change every day, you know, and how you can, with arousal, but also the way you kind of see your partner or something. And also, I feel like it's like arousal. It can be like a, a drunkness, even though I don't drink, but you know, when you're in the middle of the... <laughs> cycle you can make bad decisions <laughs> totally totally <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah absolutely I think a lot of people don't realize that or they may not have uh they might have noticed that they have these mood fluctuations and energy fluctuations and libido fluctuations but they might not have put two and two together and actually like connected that with their cycle but once you start being aware of it and tracking your cycle and realizing, you know, when you're ovulating or when you're coming up to bleed and starting to notice the different um, signs of the different phases, you, it just changes. I mean, it sounds like you're pretty, you're pretty all over this, but it just changes everything. It changes the way that you schedule your life, the sorts of commitments that you make um, socially or with regards to work um you know i i've got like a uh, i've created a cycle tracking pdf that i print out and i put it on my fridge um every month and you, I, you, people can get that for free as well off my website i just it's just a download so they can print it out because i quite like to write it down rather than putting it in an app um, and then i can just see it on my fridge but i track every day of my cycle and i track the you know different 
signs or symptoms around, you know, ovulation and PMS and things like that. And I've, I've found the longer I've done that and the more I've paid attention and actually just tailored my life to my menstrual cycle and living in, in more alignment with it, the less PMS I get, um, the better time I have with bleeding, the more I embrace like this part of, of being in this body with female reproductive organs um, and I love getting my period and I see that as a time where I can go inwards a little bit more and just menstrual cave um, and I eat different foods and I really nurture myself and it's a it's a bit you know it's like winter um, I'm sure your listeners probably heard the the concept of the four different stages of the menstrual cycle and how they correlate to the seasons like summer and spring and autumn and winter um, but once you start noticing, so would you say spring things, is the yeah. is ovulation? Would you say? Can you- the spring spring is the follicular phase, so just after you've bled and you're starting to move towards ovulation. Ovulation is summer. Okay, that's like hot girl summer. We're kind of super extroverted and energized and horny. Um, and then autumn is after you've ovulated in the luteal phase, as you're moving towards menstruation, and then menstruation's winter. So they kind of have similar uh, characteristics as the seasons. So I find that quite a useful little tool. Um, and I find my behavior and my needs and my energy levels are quite, yeah, quite similar actually to, to the seasons because when I'm leading up to bleeding, I really need to, and this is quite common, it's everyone has a different, you know, relationship with their cycle and and different hormonal fluctuations, but as a general rule, we all tend, if you have a natural cycle and you're not on the pill or hormonal contraception, we tend to have like this arc of, of hormones. And as the hormones um, rise or fall, our mood, our energy, our libido, our appetite, our metabolism, um, all of this changes with the level of hormones and the different combination or ratio of the different hormones. And so once you start to understand a bit about that and then track your own cycle you start to notice things and then you can actually you know plan your life a little bit more around that or just have more compassion for yourself when you're being an absolute cunt because you've you're pmsing super hard because last cycle you didn't let yourself rest enough when you're bleeding and you've just been so stressed and overwhelmed that by the time you're coming up to bleeding again you know your pms symptoms are really bad because of stress because of diet because of not getting enough sleep Um, so it's like, it's pretty much, it's a whole topic. It's a whole podcast episode alone, that topic. Um, I feel like I could talk about it forever, but that, that's kind of, um, the, yeah, the tip of the iceberg. And there's so much more info if people want to delve deeper into, into menstrual cycle awareness and how to do that as well. Amazing. I actually enjoy my period too. I'm a free bleeder. I have been for many years. And I really, nice. I just like love it. Like, yeah, I feel like it's like a blessing. And I don't use any apps because I, I just heard bad, bad things about, you know, data farming, etc. Um, so mm-hmm. I actually started writing down my menstrual cycle. because I, I practice sex magic. I don't know if you know what it is. It's like using orgasmic energy to manifest. So I started using a magical yeah. diary. So I write down my orgasm, the, the intention and then menstrual cycle, lunar cycle. So I can keep track on what's working for me. Um, so I find that the, the menstrual blood is like very sacred. And some books I read about uh, sex magic, people are kind of anointing sigils, like magical symbols with menstrual blood. It has such power, this yeah. blood. And I think religion has taught us that it's dirty or, which is so terrible. Um, and there's a lot of people that, that kind of makes people more ashamed of, of their periods as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I actually love my, and I'm um, just really into yeah. it. And also that we said about winter, yeah, I, I feel the same. It's like an introspective um, phase. And, and I do kind of, yeah, I'm kinder with myself in terms of if I, if I want chocolate or some kind of junk food or some kind of delivery. I'm like, yeah, do it. You know, <laughs> I don't really feel guilty about it. And um, I don't really have any PM. I'm a mate. I, I eat really clean, like all plant-based and I don't have any pain or anything. So I just feel like it's a huge blessing. I'll be sad when my periods end, you know, so I'm, I'm just making the most of them until until they end and uh yeah no hot water bottle totally. and just having you know <laughs> towel and then i feel like we said about spring as well that resonates because when when i'm bleeding i i, I sleep naked but i have to have like i wear 
underwear at, at night and, and also dark towels. I don't want to mess up my, my um, mattresses, whatever. Me too. Um, yeah. but, then, but then in spring, I'm like, naked again, wicked. I love it. I just love that feeling of sleeping naked and not having to worry about, you know, having a, ta- a pillow between my legs because it's better for back pain and, and staining that, you know. So it's kind of like freedom. This. So I, I enjoy when they come and then when they end as well. So so it's really... And also I, I find oh, that really? bleeding is just incredible I, I just find it so and people I've, I've made a few videos about that I get so many bad comments but I leave it all there it's like that's disgusting but it's really I know it's so sad that we yeah that so many people now feel as though it's dirty and disgusting and the the concept of free bleeding is like appalling to like shocking to so many people and you know it used to be to me I was like what but now I'm the same and I love it. And I like anointing my face, like my weird eye with a bit of period <laughs> blood or making a face mask out of it, um, feeding it to my plants. Like, you you know, I've done the sigils and the blood magic and the sex magic. Like you can get as witchy as you like with it. Um, and it it's like potent, you know, and, and I don't, I don't even, I'm not a particularly, um, sensitive person or actually that's not true I am sensitive energetically but I'm not I'm not on that full woo-woo end of the spectrum where I'm very you know I'm very aware of energy and and you know I kind of more like do the witchy stuff because I love the idea of it I love I love like I guess the I don't know the feeling of doing it but I don't necessarily like you know do the sex magic and have the sigil and have an orgasm and send that vision off into the universe and like feel as though oh yeah that's definitely working I just do it because it's fun and I feel as though um why not it can't hurt you know so I don't think you have to be like someone who's super um energetically inclined or speaks that language of like spirituality to enjoy doing these things you know like I just I just find them really fun and a nice way to engage with my body and my blood that releases the shame that I'd been indoctrinated to feel my whole life so I feel like I'm just removing layers of shame and guilt and um, self-loathing around femininity and you know blood from my womb by putting it on my face or by feeding it to the plants or by treating it in a ritualistic ceremonial kind of way that that sees it as sacred and I think that's just as powerful as whether the sex magic actually works or not you know <laughs> definitely it's, it's definitely an acceptation uh, accepting and also I can see your plants there look like they're thriving <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> a couple of quick questions uh, what is the book that changed your life Oh, well, you can't really go past Vagina by Naomi Wolf, oh, can you? I read that. I, I would love to read it. Is it really good? Oh, it's so good. And that was one of the books I read at the beginning of my journey with sort of, you know, healing my trauma around sexuality. And it's huge. It's just, it's got everything in there. You just, you've got to read it. And I think it's also a really good place to start for people that, like me, I used to be very sort of, a bit skeptical, a bit like, no, well, I, I don't, I'm not into spirituality. I'm into science. And, you know, I was quite closed minded about certain things. And so for people that are, aren't probably ready to come and get their yoni mapped, vagina is a really good place to start because it's quite, it's quite a beautiful intersection between like the studies and the research and the science and all of that kind of more mainstream accepted language. And then the reverent and the sacred, and it's just this beautiful marriage between the two, and it's so informative and educational, and also so inspiring and like thought provoking and pattern interrupting. You know, it's like it's properly disruptive. Um, so that, and also women's bodies, women's wisdom by Christiane Northrup. That's a ripper. Similar deal, like spirit and science mixed into one. Um, yeah, those are really good places to start if people are interested in this sort of thing. Amazing. So what is the phrase or affirmation or quote that you live by? Oh, should have prepared me for that one. I actually don't know if I have just a, just a quote or affirmation that I live by. That's enormous. I feel like it's changing all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess one of my highest values that I guess that's the closest I could do to answering that question is, you know, I 
I value humor really highly. And I think like with my work and with a lot of the experiences I've traversed, which have been pretty challenging and pretty trauma laden, humor has been such a powerful and helpful tool. Um, and so when I'm delving into, you know, the depths of self-work or when I'm trying to coach clients or help people um, release shame or talk about really, really uncomfortable, crunchy topics, humor is like this amazing vehicle. So that's something that I value really highly and I try to bring into every day and use in my work and in my life and in my relationships. Um, and I think it's really, it, it makes things accessible and relatable um, and easier to connect with. So yeah, I suppose that's a sort of answer to your question. Great. So where can people find you? So my website is just freyagrass.com um, and my Instagram, which is freyagraph underscore the labia lounge. You can check out the labia lounge podcast, which I'm super proud of. And no doubt I'll have you on at some point soon. Um, and pretty much, yeah, I mean, all the, all the usual haunts, YouTube and, and whatnot. Um, and yeah, like I was mentioning, if people want the menstrual cycle tracking chart, that's free on my website. I've also got a poster that um, that I've created using a few different women's health specialists and naturopaths and stuff to collate all of the best foods to eat in each four seasons of the cycle, which, you know, when you're talking about eating well and having a bit more chocolate on your menstrual cycle and things like that, this poster's really cool because um, I got a friend of mine who's a yoni portrait artist to create uh, an artwork and then put yeah, all of all of this nutritional info and the different foods that you can eat in each phase of the cycle just to help your PMS symptoms and help your cycle along. So um, that's something I wanted to just quickly plug because it felt relevant. Amazing. So Freya, thank you so much for taking part in the Orgasmic Lifestyle podcast. It's been a real pleasure. Yeah, the pleasure's all mine. Thanks for having me. The book I'm reading now is the Soulmate Lover, a guide to passionate and lasting love, sex and intimacy by Molly Apple and Joe Dunn. I already reviewed the book Wild Monogamy, which is their latest book, and they were guests on this podcast a couple of episodes ago, and I had the absolute privilege of meeting them this weekend and they gave me this book that was signed and I'm just so happy. It's the first time I've actually met a podcast guest in person and it was so inspiring. I felt like I was in the presence of love, which was very, very beautiful to behold. To behold. And this book is a gift that they have made to each other. And um, it says, the soulmate lover is our gift to each other as a celebration of our love, the intimate portrait of ourselves on the cover, because they're both naked on the cover, which is amazing, embodies many of the ideas we explore in these pages. Opening up to our sexual energy, freeing ourselves from sexual shame, honoring our bodies and our physical connection, accessing our masculine and feminine energies, practicing the art of sexual healing, Mastering the power of invitation. Oh my God, that sounds so intriguing. And taking time to play. May you find these ideas intriguing, inspiring, and truly life-changing. For me, this embodies the type of sexuality that I am very keen to explore at this stage of my life. I'm, I think I've already kind of delved in the uh, sex as play, but sex as a part of healing is something that's still intriguing to me. And also the topic of accessing masculine and feminine energies is something I've been working on now for a couple of years. And I discussed this last episode when we, were we spoke to Nalaya Chakana about feminine energy and, and love and relationships. And I think for me as an independent woman, I've always been in my masculine for work and for personal life because I felt like I've had to be. I haven't really had a choice. Whereas now I am very open to um, the receptive energy of the feminine and the surrender energy. And it's kind of exciting to see 
what can come from that. And so this is a very, a book that I'm going to treasure. I haven't started reading it yet, but I'm still reading um, the sex magic book that I talked about last time, The uh, the Path of of the Divine Erotic. And um, this is going to be the next one I read. So I really want to um, polish my knowledge in this area of sacred sexuality and then practice it as much as possible, wherever possible. Because I think it's difficult to find opportunities to celebrate sacred sex. For me, sacred sex means any type of sexuality or sexual practice that transcends the physical, especially going into emotional and soul areas of life. It's not just um, a physical experience, but it goes beyond that. I think, for example, a BDSM encounter can um, be present in the kind of intellectual. It can be a kind of in your mind, but that's not always a soul connection. Um, But yeah, I'm very, very intrigued about this. And it was such an honor to be in their presence yesterday. So hopefully I will learn lots from this book and I will get a bit of that good energy in my own life as well. So that is The Soulmate Lover, A Guide to Passionate and Lasting Love, Sex and Intimacy. And I would recommend this book for any couple who are entering the kind of routine of, of a relationship and they're losing the spark. Maybe they want to get that spark back or they have the spark and they want to maintain it. Or anyone who's single who wants to kind of um, get ready for the next relationship it can really help you to clarify what you want and how you view sexuality and intimacy. Highly recommended. Now it's time to slow things down as we prepare for this episode's guided affirmations meditation. It's probably not a good idea to listen to this while driving or operating machinery. Instead, take a break from whatever you're doing, get comfortable, take a deep breath and enjoy. Yeah. Sure. 
Did you know that you could play video games with your vagina? I recently tried a product called Perifit, P-E-R-I-F-I-T, and it's one of the best pelvic floor trainers that I have ever tried. And basically you put something inside your vagina and then you connect with your phone and it has an app and you play video games while you are strengthening your pelvic floor. So you'll be killing birds and squeezing. It's so much fun. And also this device gives you some biofeedback on the app, which is very motivating because that means it will, it will you see how you are progressing and it means that you will be more motivated to continue with your pelvic floor training. I'd like to share with you a discount code for Perifit and the discount code is VENUS15, all capitals VENUS15. And the website is Perifit, P-E-R-I-F-I-T, .co. So if you would like to play video games with your vagina and strengthen your pelvic floor, check out perifit.co. Discount code VENUS15. To find out more about me and my orgasmic lifestyle, visit venusohara.org. Or follow me on Instagram at instagram.com slash Venus O'Hara. Make sure to search for the Orgasmic Lifestyle Podcast by Venus O'Hara in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Thanks for listening. Have an orgasmic week and make sure every day is a climax.